It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's good, Wizards fans? It's your host, The Real Ed Oliver. And I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today we have special guest Corbin Ford with Phoenix Sports, the Suns podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at C O R B A N N B A. How are you feeling today, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Yeah, just happy to be on. Um, I, yeah, it's. Dude, it's a pleasure. Um, the pleasure. <laughs> I'm hyped. Yeah, I'm excited to go. <laughs> right, definitely. Uh, so today, the Wizards did unveil their 25th anniversary Wizards jerseys, the throwbacks from the early 2000s to mid 2000s. They switched back to the red, white, and blue. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the main part of today's episode is going to be talking about the Wizards X Factor. Who do we think, other than Bradley Bill, Chris Porzingis? Who do we think is going to contribute the most? Who do we think could raise the Wizards' ceiling if they have a good season? Somebody that you wouldn't think about that, you know, the the two main guys are going to talk about that. Um, Just quick news and notes. Um, Denny Avdia did test positive for COVID, so he will be missing the um, games this weekend. Friday and Saturday, Israel's supposed to play in uh, Georgia. Uh, Thank you for Aaron Sorokman or Soroko. Somebody else DM me and told me who uh, is a Denny fan. They live in Israel. They, they let me know that information as well. So shout out to, uh, you know, the people who let me know that information. Um, so it's basically, we're going to talk about this, the swing skill or X factors. If they have a good season, if this player plays really good, it will raise the team ceiling. But I, I just want to get a gauge on your thoughts about the Wizards and their all season so far. Um, what did you like about the Wizards all season? What What did you not like? You know, they signed, they traded for Monte Morris and KCP. Uh, I'm sorry, they traded KCP for Monte Morris and Will Parton. Uh, what did you think about that trade? I like that. Um, I thought bringing in a point guard in Morris, who we've seen traditionally kind of be that bench guard, you know, back in Jamal Murray, but really has stepped up, not just last season in the, in the absence of Murray primarily, but I feel the last couple of years, he's really improved upon his game. So the fact that he's going to have basically a pretty good runway to, really get that starting point guard spot in Washington. I think that he's really paid his dues. You've seen improvement in his game. Now he has opportunity. And to get both him and Will Barton, who between Will Barton and KCP, I feel is maybe a better player to fit that three spot for the Wizards. Someone who, you know, with scoring ability is just more multifaceted than KCP's was, as admirable as KCP's three and D, you know, qualities are. I just think that the players are bringing in, for the type of team that you want, Wizards still trying to be competitive, still trying to make some noise in the East. Um, it doesn't really like, oh, look out Washington in that way, but it does continue to kind of sustain um, a, a really decent core. So that trade I thought was pretty cool. And then as of what I liked, I was really high on Johnny Davis, all draft cycle, 
Um, really, all the information I was taking in, you know, just from the draft dummies, obviously locked on draft, like like yeah. all of it. I'm just a big fan of his. And yes, you know, I was at summer league. His summer league was not was not the most exciting. Um, definitely, you know, it was rough. That's all. But I still think that what he brings to the table. I mean, come on, we're not going to really judge his entire trajectory for his rookie year from a couple summer league games. So I'm still high on what um, the qualities that we saw in scouting him and, and what he looks like moving forward. Only thing I, I guess I didn't like as much would be the Bradley Beal extension. And that's not even the fact that they brought him back or for the years. It's really the no trade clause. I'm sure I listened to you know a couple of your shows. Like I, right. I feel like at that point, the Wizards are competing against themselves. You've given Bradley Beal all the leverage of future trades and – it really depends on your valuation of him as that franchise player, because at this point he's locked in as that um, and how far you believe you can go with Bradley Beal as the centerpiece. And now knowing that you can't move him without his say. So you really have a, you know, late 2010s Carmelo Anthony situation in New York. And that was kind of rough until he was not that level of player and then just wanted to leave New York. So just all in all, I thought it was an interesting offseason for Washington. Um, by bringing Bradley Beal back, that obviously set the direction. And then from there, I thought that the moves were were, were going to make for a very interesting team coming up. Right, yeah, 100%. Now, Johnny Davis is very intriguing. Yes, the summer league was very <laughs> underwhelming, for sure. I was disappointed in myself, but summer league, I don't want to judge too much on it. We've seen guys had all-world summer leagues. No disrespect to Glenn Rice Jr. and Troy Brown Jr. All those guys made first-team all-summer league team. Uh, in the summer league, but you know, <laughs> Johnny, yeah, it, he he struggled for sure. He struggled for sure. It, it's going to take some time. It's it's so you know, it's fine if you, if you don't go out there and score twenty points a game as a rookie. But there were some some concerns there. Just the quickness, the explosiveness, creating a shot for himself, creating separation. And I think it's going to take some time for him for sure. I don't know where he's going to fit in the rotation right now, but you know, we'll see. I mean, maybe he'll play better as a, as a three and D wing. He just has to improve on a three point shot um separation not getting stuck on an island so um it, it was concerning and I'm, I'm a big johnny davis guy like you mm-hmm. like you are um i love what i saw i love the aggressiveness i love i think he had the dog in him i really i love the defense from johnny davis i love how you know aggressively the mid-range game is his thing and i know analytics they hates on the mid-range game but i i i, I still i still think there's value in the mid-range game Chris Paul, you know, I'm not going to care compare to Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is a mid-range guy. Devin Booker is a mid-range guy. There's, there's, you know, Bradley Bill's a mid-range guy. So the mid-range game is still an important shot to the game. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he translates. Where you know he's not going to have the ball in his hands 100 percent of the time like he did in Wisconsin. So that's intriguing. But yeah, like you said, Monte Morris, I think it's a good pickup. Will Barnes is a solid pickup. I think they made solid moves. They didn't make any swings for the fences, but they've just had their names in a hat so far for guys like Donovan Mitchell. KD and mm-hmm. um, you know whatever star that's been somewhat available, they just throw their names in there. So, um, what are your thoughts on on that with them throwing their names in the hats for KD and Donovan Mitchell? And do you think there's uh, any any chance that the Wizards have and those guys? <laughs> I mean, I like it. Like you said, you're, you're trying to Bradley Beal wants to compete for a championship right now. Right. Yeah. Evaluating how close or far Washington is as of right now, let's just say it's possible that they could use some additional pieces, right? Uh, certainly mm-hmm. one of a KD um, caliber, uh, Donald Mitch caliber wouldn't be bad either. And so, no, you have to you have to credit, you know, Tommy Shepard um, and the Wizards front office for being aggressive and trying to put their names in that in that ring and say, hey, you know, whatever offer you're looking for. Uh, for other teams, I guess it really comes down to what do you feel about, you know, Denny Abia, 
um, Rui Hachimura, like some of these guys that are going to be there. How high do they are they valued by other teams as prospects, as interesting players? Um, of course, Sally Phil and everything there. So I guess the the big issue is just what would be the package going out, and is that more tantalizing than say a Boston package around Jalen Brown, you know, or and it's for KD, or if it was for Don Mitchell, is that better than the New York package, you know, with maybe you know some of their youngsters and a church over picks, you know? Um, but the fact that again Washington is doing that. They, they they've locked themselves into a course where they want to compete, right? You know, the 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 period of, you know, just above five hundred, the play in, they're trying to get out of that, you know, making that commitment to Bradley Beal to try to do this now with this extension, this means that you're gonna make some more significant improvements to your roster if at all possible. So yeah, I credit them for doing that. I don't know how successful that's going to be, but I mean, I'm sure you know Eddie, like, listen, if you're trying to win, you wanna make sure you have all options available to you, right? You bring in a guy that we both like, Johnny Davis, at where he's at right now, I think in a situation where he doesn't have the ball as much, he can be properly optimized. And, you know, if you're able to make a trade for a bigger a player and hopefully keep Davis and those guys, then you do that, you know, and, and just see where the chips fall where they may. Because at the end of the day, you want that star power uh, to really make some noise in the upper on these. Right, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, they're trying to show that they're trying to compete with Bradley Bill. I don't mm-hmm. think it's an attainable thing. But at least they're, they're trying. They're I love how she said that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to the X factors here. So we're gonna rank the guys. You know, we'll probably you know say we'll you know name the guys other than Brad and Kuz. I mean, I'm sorry, other than Brad and Porzingis, and we'll rank the guys that we think that have the level of importance that could be an X factor to the Wizards' success to put help them with a playoff push to put them in playoff contention. Uh, but before we do. To get to that, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From line live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so I'll let you go first. Um, other than Brad and Porzingis, who do you think has the, the most level of importance to the Wizards' playoff push? You know, it's funny. You mentioned him at the very start of the show, and I, I feel you agree, Eddie. I have, I have Denny. Denny Abbey, right. I think, is going to be the number one player as far as X-Factor who can really swing things for the Washington Wizards. Um. And you look at last season, you know, the numbers didn't really pop off the page, right? 8.4 points, 5.2 rebounds, two assists per game. I'm not going to lie. I thought I watched a fair amount of Wizards games, but I was like, that was it. But not realizing, you know, the role that he had. And I think the biggest swing factor, and this isn't really rocket science, is his shooting, his scoring ability. Um, Over his last 16 games, he averaged, you know, uh, 12.6 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 3.6 assists per game. Really stepped up, had a bunch of bigger games in that. Eclipse 20 points uh, for a number of contests. And I think that working on that offensive side, we've seen 
what he brings the defense side of the ball, the ability to guard, you know, anyone from LeBron James to, you know, uh, Monty Morris, any, anyone in between there with his length, with his size, with his defensive um, acumen there. But offensively, his value as a potential playmaker, I think, is something that's tantalizing. Uh, his handle, I felt, was kind of right-hand dominated, you know, and he also had a bit of a high dribble. So it wasn't smart for him to be the primary, you know, primary ball handler in moments. And so I'm glad he wasn't put in that situation. But, like, let's say he focused more on that left hand, right? He raised that shooting up. He definitely picked up the amount of makes and the volume from three, but he's still a career 31% three-point shooter. Like, the percentage stayed the same. So, you know, if he brings those two up, that's big. Another thing is really just his finish around the basket. This is something I, I found in an article I thought was really interesting. On shots within three feet of the basket, yeah, dead, dead last or one of the last on the roster. I mean, Raul Neto finished better. Like, yeah. you're 6'9". You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's that easy. I'm not 6'9", so I'm not going to speak for him. But, like, that's definitely an area of improvement for sure. So mm-hmm. I, I think those are really the factors there. But, like, I mean, come on, Eddie. Like, if you bring the defensibility that he already brings to the table, imagine a 6'9", lockdown forward, shooting a three, let's say even a 35% clip and still bringing some playmaker potential. Like, that type of player unlocks different roster iterations for, you know, just easily for the Wizards. And so you want to have that type of guy there. Right. 100%. I have him as number one as well. I really do. Um, I think you, you hit all the points there, too. His defensive versatility is something that the Wizards don't have. They don't really have a wing stopper. They don't They don't really have a lot of guys who are really defensive-minded, per se, as well. Like, Will the throw is good, but, you know, he's not known as a lockdown defender. I know he was top 20 in, in defensive plus minus. Same thing with Monte Morris, but, you know, he, he's not like a guy that you're saying, hey, go out, go out there, guard Brandon Ingram, go out there, guard Giannis like, like Denny did or LeBron or um, Jimmy Butler like Denny did last year. And in the first part of the year when the Wizards were 10-3 and three and they were hot um, and Denny was throwing up the X and whatnot, you know, Denny, <laughs> he, he, he is, it, like you said, if you, I don't know if you watched the game where he played against uh, Auburn a couple of days ago, where the second half um, he he looked like the steal of the draft that he was projected to be by Mike Schmitz of uh, Draft Express, where you know he, instead of laying the ball up, he was dunking the ball. Um, he he didn't make all. He was two for six from the three point line, but he shot the ball with confidence. He was getting to the basket. He was drawing fouls. Shot thirteen free throws, and uh, he looked like a he looked like a different guy out there. He was more confident now. I know the co- level of competition is a different level. You know, playing against college guys instead of. You know, NBA players, like I said, Jimmy Butler and Brandon Ingram, guys like that that are elite NBA players. But man, if he if he can, like you said, the three-point shot, if he can finish around the rim, if the three-point shot can go up from 31% to 35 36%, I think he really can motor the Wizards and push the Wizards. I don't know if he's going to start this year. I, I think Will Barton is going to start at the three, and then, you know, it's going to be uh, Kuz at the four and then uh, Porzingis at the five. But Denny, if he can really – uh, if if West Hunter Jr. can if the developmental process, you know, he's working out with Drew Hanlon this offseason, if he can, you know, go left, finish around the room with, with either hands and pedestrians and knock down the three and, and still play the tough defense because he is the he's arguably the best best defender on the on the roster right now. But if he plays well, I think that could definitely attribute instead of the Wizards being, you know, projected as a playing team. I think if Denny goes out there and drops 14 and eight and say six or five assists and it's, it's the lockdown defender, and then the Wizards really can fool around and be 45 and 37 or 46 and 36 
Um, that would be huge, and and that would be another draft pick that they could that you know Tommy Shepard would be proud of that he hit on. You know, being your being your ninth pick in the draft, so that would be huge. Um, who do you have as number two? Absolutely, I, one I agree completely with you. Like, there's no reason with a big push by him that they move up. But number two for me, uh, newcomer Monte Morris. Okay. I mean, you think about who the Wizards have had a little bit of a point guard carousel, right? The last couple of years. I mean. You know, from John Wall, you had the Russell Westbrook year. You had the Spencer Dinwiddie half-season experiment. You had, you know, Tomas Stanaransky and Raul Neto and, you know, Point Beal for a bit. And now, you know, we're, we're, we're trying with Monte Morris. And I feel like with a player like him, you're getting someone who is just been stable. You know, he's been available. He's been reliable. He's increased his shooting from three uh, pretty much every year for Denver and really came through last year. He had a career high 124 three-pointers, just under 40%. So it's no, it's no slouch from there, right? And I think that he is potentially the guard that you're looking for alongside Beal, someone who can co-manage the playmaking responsibilities with Beal, but also be a credible threat from outside to not have too much pressure on Beal to create for himself, like we know in the mid-range and for his other teammates. We've seen, you know, for as good as Russell Westbrook was that one year, the spacing issues. And that was a collective Wizards issue that year, but it wasn't help from the point guard spot, right? Spencer and we just didn't really have a good year to begin with. Um, and I think there's a, a myriad of issues there. I don't really want to rehash that yeah, for you. I know yeah, you, oh God, you live that. But, <laughs> but they bring in a guy who not only played well there, but even race level of play in, in the playoffs. I mean, he was shooting 42% from three, still being a primary guy. I mean, this was a Nuggets team that as much – love as we give to Nicole Jokic and yes that man you know did a yield man's job in terms of just sheer offensive production across a variety of factors he did have Monte Morris alongside with him continuing to kind of help churn the offense along the most consistent perimeter option uh one of the key factors the Nuggets getting 48 wins and I think that if you bring a player like that here in Washington especially his superb assist to turnover ratio He's not going to be a big wave maker, right? But he is somebody, I think, who can consistently come through and be the steadying force that Washington needs at the point guard spot while not challenging Beal in terms of a your turn, my turn. I think he's perfectly adept playing long ball as he is off ball. We know what he brings defensively. Um, I mean, as long as he's not guarding like a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, he should be okay right. um, on that side. Um, but I think that that is where he comes in. I think that's his... His ability now to say, hey, this is potentially his job to get, I think will be the biggest swing factor because you want stability across all five of your spots. And that point guard's been a hole. And now you already have three spots figured out, you know, between Bradley Beal, whether Ford or center, Kristaps Przingis, you can make an argument for the fourth spot with Kuzma, but that point guard's position's been a hole. And so now you have potentially a guy who has been just as solid as they come filling that. I'm really high on what... Monty Morris could bring this year for Washington. That's a good point. So yeah, we'll 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 say our top three guys. Um, that's that's a good one. Monte is a good. I mean, he's huge. I mean, like you said, it's been a carousel. Isaiah Thomas. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
uh, Ish Smith, Shabazz Napier, uh, Russ, uh, just to name a few. I mean, there's, there's so many guys. Howell Neto. So many guys ever since, you know, John Wall went down with multiple injuries. They've, been, they've just been trying to find that guy. Um, Kamonte Morris, be it. Spencer Dinwiddie as well. He's just not a point guard. Um, and it's hard to find a point guard. They, you know, they're looking for an old school point guard. Look, they're looking for a pass first point guard. You're not going to find a lot of those guys mm-hmm. right now that are going to come in and start. Tomas Sadoransky, if you want to add him, you, we can add him to the list too. Yeah. last year um and they're looking for a steady eddie guy and he has familiarity with wes Unsell jr so he could be a he could be an echoing echoing voice of what wes Unsell jr wants as well so i think he i think he will fit next to bradley bill pretty well um just not get in the way and, and brad needs a guy that can just set him up for easy baskets and, and not in and a, and a point guard that doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful and monte morris is that guy mm-hmm. um but for me i'm gonna stick with the young guys i I think Rui, man, I think a lot of people are down on Rui so much. I mean, you you hear what Zach Lowe said about Rui. He just said he's a <laughs> terrible rebounder. He's a terrible passer. He's a terrible defender. I mean, so many people, I just hear so many negative narratives on Rui Hachimura, and I'm just here to defend Rui. I I still think very highly of Rui. I think he certainly has his, his defensive uh, deficiencies where he's a turnstile or a turntable defensively. You know, he's just like he's just lost on the sauce out there. Um, offensively, you know, his feet are moving well, but defensively, it's like he has cement, cement feet. Um, but yeah, he, it, he, he improved from the three point line last year 44% from the three point line. Now, a lot of them were standstill threes, didn't didn't shoot many off the dribble. Uh, a lot of them were catch and shoot, catch and shoot threes, and he only really shot. 1.5, 1.9 threes per game. So they were very low volume. So it's, it's not something that you want to really lean on, but it, it's encouraging. And, uh, and he, sh- he was nine, he was a 98th percentile around the rim. We already know he's a good finisher. If he can just be aggressive. And I think, I think he's capable of being a good passer. I think he just has to have the one to, I don't think he's a bad passer or just a non-pass. I think he's capable of being a good pass. I think he's capable of being a good defender for sure. Um, the unfortunate thing last year, of course, the personal reasons being out for 40 games, I think that definitely was a setback, 100%. We can't deny that. Uh, for whatever reason, I respect Rui, Rui's decision for sure. Um, but it, it's a contract year for Rui too, man. This is, a, this is a huge year for him. And we know how things usually end with Washington Wizard players. They don't usually get a second contract. Or if they do, it's, it's usually an overpay. So he's a guy that you're looking at, you know, by the trade that trade deadline. Is he going to be here or is he going to be a trade piece? where they move on because they know that they're not going to want to bring him back or pay him whatever, you know, whatever another team is going to want to pay him. There have been rumors or reports that other teams have been interested in Rui, like the Miami Heat have been interested in acquiring Rui. So I'm in, if, if, if Pat Riley wants you, that, that, that speaks high, high volumes in my opinion. I remember the dunk on Anthony Davis. I remember the 20 points and 13 boards against the Sixers in game five. I remember all those games, the 30 point game against the Pacers, in 2021, I remember all those games. So I'm still very high on Rui. I know his game is not analytically perfect, but he's trying to step out there and shoot a three. So um, can he guard threes and fours? Those are the questions right there. So I think if he plays well, just like Denny does, if he if he it, there's some isolation metrics that I, I I looked up. I don't have them in front of me right now, but that that showed that he was a positive defender in isolation situations in 2021. This past year, he was bad, but in 2021, he was a good isolation defender. So I I just feel like both of those guys, if Denny and Rui do step up and play better, 
both of your ninth picks, picks of the draft, both of your lottery picks, then the Wizards definitely could jump, you know, and, and leapfrog some of the Eastern Conference teams. Maybe the Bulls, maybe the maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those are some teams. The Hornets, of course. Uh, those are some teams that were in the playing range last year that I think they could definitely leapfrog. If if Rui, big ifs there, Rui steps up defensively, you know, can lock in and be more aggressive. Um, he has the tools, the physical tools, the finishing around the room, the post-up game, the mid-range game. So he's number two for me. I like it. I do. I mean, I remember, yeah, Rui got a lot of hate. You know, I thought, like you said, the three volume, volume was low, but he definitely improved demonstrably as a three-point shooter. And again, you're right. Filling a position and need that could really help the Wizards out in terms of scaling that Easter conference. Yeah, I'm right there with you for sure. Um, I it's funny, I was gonna talk about Rui, but I'm I'm glad that you had that covered because um <laughs> I was like, mm, which guy is someone? I mean, there was so many candidates for this X Factor here for the Wizards, probably right. down the entire roster. But one guy I have as well on my third my third player is um Corey Kispert. I think that interesting. You, yeah, you look at a guy, and this is why I think the big if let me just ask you. What position for the Wizards is still probably their biggest position of need for you? Uh, they need a three and D guy. And there you go, exactly. And I was thinking that not 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 a three and D, and literally the three, like the three spot. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. the the point guard carousel. Who have we had manned the three the last couple of years? It's been a mix of guards. We've had Danny. We've had Rui in moments. Uh, obviously Kuzma, but I think we all agree he's more of a four, even though he can play the three. And I look at a guy like Corey Kispert, who you know. Numbers aren't going to pop off the page last season. It was, what, eight points per game, um, 2.7 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Uh, shot 35% from three, which, you know, it would be great if he was Denny, but Corey Kisper kind of came with the with the moniker of being a shooter. So 35, kind of average for him. But I think, and this has been brought up, you know, by Bradley Beal himself, it's some of the intangibility he brings outside of just shooting the ball. This isn't, you know, just a – one-trick pony, Duncan Robinson, if you will. No disrespect to him, one of the best shooters, you know, in the league. But when Duncan's shot's not going down, it's kind of hard, right, to find other value for him. We saw that. He was kind of buried back in the rotation by Miami, you know, the end of the season into the playoffs. You know, it was just it was just hard to play him uh, when a shot wasn't there. That's not quite the same with Kispert. He finds ways to be active, be involved. There was an amazing piece written, um, I think it was uh, Bullets Forever, that was talking about um, Kispert – basically eclipsing his cry in points, but going one of six from three. And it was like, well, how is he doing that when his three ball isn't going and that's his thing? Well, the guy can cut like it's nobody's business. He's among the NBA leaders in, in points um, in the paint, one of the best finishers there in, in, in points um, per cut, like in cutting. And one of the right. best finishers, once he gets there, he finds ways to make things happen without, you know, the three ball going down. And that's only more impactful because he comes in as a shooter. You know, so if he's improving upon 35%, let's say he's shooting 39, 40% from three, you know, able to capably defend his position and also make use of his great slashing ability, you know, and the fact that he, his numbers as a starter are amazing. As a, as a reserve, you know, decent enough, five points, two rebounds, less than assists per game. But you look at the 36 games that he started with those five, with the starting five, 11.8 points, 3, 1, 3.3 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. Obviously, the raw numbers, you know, don't tell the entire story, but it does tell a bit. You know, everything raising significantly from his field goal shooting to his three-point shooting to his true shooting overall, taking significant hikes in a position at six foot seven at the three that could work perfectly. And I think the biggest 
kind of swing for me is that you're looking at this roster. Obviously, you're building around Bill, right? You don't want really to have you want to have guys who can contribute on the offensive end, but you don't want to have too many your turn, my turn kind of guys. And I think in lieu of a KD trade, in lieu of a Donovan Mitchell trade, let's let you know Bradley Bill run the show and have other cable play finishers and additional playmaker, but not someone who's you know they're gonna capably defend, kind of mitigate some of Bill's weaknesses and let him you know just work on initiating the offense for the most part. If you bring in Monte Morris, guy who can help with the playmaking, shoot the ball. Now we got another guy in Corey Kispert, Denny or, or Rui, and you got Kuz. Of course, you got Porzingis. That's a nice core in terms of a fit. And I think that Corey Kispert could be a big reason to unlock that three. Definitely. I mean, they're they're looking for guys that don't need the ball in their hands and mm-hmm. guys that can knock down shots. Porzingis is gonna he's gonna create double teams. Brad's gonna create double teams. Looking at the way Porzingis played the last seventeen games, he created a lot of double teams. Defenses had to shift. And um, you know, bracket him basically. They were moving, you know, moving extra defenders towards him. But Corey Kispert, man, like you said, he's a he's really good without the basketball in his hands. He's really good at cutting. He's really good off ball. Um, he's a good finisher on the rim. I hate to. I'm not going to say sneaky athleticism because he's athletic. And you could see it at Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. athletic, so it's not really a surprise to me. But man, he gets up on some dunks. He plays above the rim. He had a couple blocks last year too. So I mean. He's at he he is athletic. I don't know about you know being a three and D guy because defensively he was one of the worst defenders in the league last year um, per the Raptor metric. But if he can improve somewhat, just not be a, a sieve on defense. But yeah, he has to shoot the three ball better. He didn't shoot well in the first half of the year. You know he struggled against closeouts. He struggled against NBA athleticism. There were plays where you know his three pointers got blocked or he had an up and down and traveled. So he, he did work on that. After the All-Star break, he was really, really good. And like you said, yeah. when he when he had that starter role, he just got more comfortable, and it's normal for a rookie. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he does next year. It's just, where is he going to... He's going to get playing time, for sure. He's definitely going to get 20 to 25 minutes per game. But he's... Most likely, he's going to be the two-guard behind Bradley Bill. And it's really between him and Johnny Davis for who's going to be that first two-guard off the bench behind Brad, or who's going to get the bulk of the minutes you know, because I, I feel like Will Will's a two, but he's gonna he's gonna play the three for the most part. Yeah. And then, you know, you got Will's gonna start at the three for the most part. And then Denny's gonna be behind Will at the three. That's that's you know, I, that's just thinking in West Central Junior's mind. Yeah. That's the way I see the depth chart right now. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be intriguing. But yeah, if Corey can knock down the three, that's something the Wizards need. They were bottom five or three pointers made, three point percentage. They were bottom five in that. I think. Corey, Corey, you know, he looked good that last half of the year. So I think he definitely could be an X-Factor. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, shooting, what, the first 20-odd games of the season, like 27% from three. So absolutely. But, yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. And that's funny you brought that up because I was thinking about, will Kispert be the backup two like it was last year, but with Johnny Davis there and Kispert being bigger, yes, not as good defensively as Davis is, but kind of how those rotations will work. But, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense for sure. And, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what he improves upon this offseason, what he brings mm-hmm. to the table. Like you said, if he can at least defend adequately his position. It's not like the Wizards have, like, any all-defensive player of the year. Like, right, yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> defense is not going to be their strength. But also, yeah, bleeding points is not a, a recipe to winning either. So, right. yeah, if he can just do that and, and bring in that three-point shooting, I mean, he comes in better than a 35% three-point shooter. We saw, like you said, the second half of the season where he's kind of dancing around 40% from three. If he comes out the gate starting like that, and like you said, you know, sophomore year, a little more comfort there, having had a number of games in his belt as a starter, 
yeah, I mean, maybe it's not ideal for him to be a starter, like you were saying, but he can come in off the bench with that confidence and that comfort knowing, okay, I know my role I can contribute. Right. Yeah, so then we'll, we'll probably wrap up with the jerseys, but my last X Factor is Kyle Kuzma. Um, Kuzma had a great year last year, uh, especially coming from the Lakers. You know, he's a guy that, you know, thought he was going to get traded to the Kings. You know, he was a guy that, you know, his role increased with the Wizards. You know, he was just a 3 and D guy playing, you know, with LeBron and AD, kind of stuck in the corner. Um, he got an opportunity to create for himself and play like he did within, you know, his rookie and sophomore year before LeBron got to the Lakers. So I was I was happy to see that for Kuzma, but he rebounded the ball really well. He passed the ball really well, led the team in triple in double doubles. Um, in the year of twenty two, he led the Wizards in points per game. He led the team in rebounds. He had a triple double as well. He had twenty five points. He had twenty seven points and twenty two boards in one game, which is ridiculous. The last player to have a twenty and twenty game was Chris Webber, and I, I got to look it up what, whether it was Chris Webber in the Wizards, the blue, the dark blue jerseys. Mm-hmm. Or whatever kind of blue you call it, or in the yeah, red, white, blue, blue or whatever. You know, so yeah. um, Chris Webber was the last guy to do that. So he did some crazy things. He was clutch. He was so clutch. The Cleveland Cavaliers game, the Pistons game winner. Kuz hit some big shots, and there are some times where Bradley Bill struggles on the clutch, and the Wizards need a go-to guy. It could be Porzingis too, but the more the merrier. So Kuz is going to get some open looks. And I know his role is going to change a little bit this year because, you know, he was the number one guy when Bradley Bill went down. Easily he was the number one guy by far. Put up some crazy numbers, 30-point games here and there. Um, hit eight threes in one game. So, Kuz is going to be huge, man. Um, it's, it's, it's a contract year for him, too. He has a team – he has a player option coming up this year. So, is he a guy that could be on the block at the trade deadline? Or um, could the Wizards do it? Could they make an extension with Kyle Kuzma? So, it's a lot. You know, Kuzma and Rui are both – in contract years, so it's a big year for Hoos, man. It's a big year. He, he's he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. But I think if he plays if he plays at the level he did during that stretch where he played really really well, that's a guy who him him Brad and, and Porzingis. I'm not going to call them a big three, but they would be a solid three. They would be a solid three in the Eastern Conference. I like that. I like that. I agree. Like you said, not a lot of big three, but yeah, a solid core, solid three. And 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 Kuzma, especially I think since LA. And we knew it was going to happen. We talked about this when he played with LA, you know, being a big Lakers fan, watching a lot of their games as well. You know, when games when AED wasn't available, when LeBron wasn't available, and there was a more offensive responsibility shifted on Kuzma, he can do that. It was a matter of finding that consistency. And you're right. I mean, again, this is somebody a little bit older. I want to say the same like Kispert in terms of knowing, hey, I can step up and do this. Kuz has already known this. But you're right. Like, that front court, it's a tantalizing mix. Like, honestly – just enough defense, enough rebounding offense in different ways, all can kind of create, or at least Porzingis and Kuzma. Yeah, I, I definitely like that for sure. Right. Who's your guy? Was your was your third Kispert? Oh, my third was Kispert. Yeah, my honorable mention, I guess I could throw out there was Will Martin, but I didn't want to go down the whole roster. I'm with you on Will too. No, I'm really yeah. with you on Will. I yeah. feel like I feel like Will, like kind of how Montrose Harold just had that crazy start. I feel mm-hmm. like Will – I don't know if Will would dominate like how Montrezl Harrell did in that <laughs> first 10-3 and three start. Oh, that was Montrezl is like an MVP candidate on the MVP ladder. <laughs> but I feel like Will if, – if they have him come off the bench, I feel like he's a guy that can average like 18 – 16 points off the bench really oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's, a, he's a microwave scorer. He's a guy that can – he's a professional scorer and a professional playmaker. 
yeah, we've like you said, we've seen this Portland, Denver, yeah, like who can cook, right? And you give yeah. him the responsibility now. I think maybe he was overstretched a little bit with the injuries to um, Murray and Michael Porter, where he had to do scoring and also some creation responsibility, you know, because you didn't have Monte Morris all 48 minutes and back of mm-hmm. point guard was kind of an issue for Denver. So now you're kind of taking it away, you know, like, yes, you can do some, but right now, like you said, give him the ball, let him go to work. And he's come off the bench, especially like the dude could drop under 20 as a starter. I definitely like his ability to kind of stagger with Bradley Bill as a primary scoring option with Bill and Kuz, whatever the case may be, and 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 really go to work. That was kind of mine. And mind you, for honorable mention, the reason why is because like, yeah, the, you know, we know what he is as a defender. We know what he is as kind of a, a playmaker. It's the scoring and the upside there, you know, and if he brings what he does and he's mostly healthy, um, he's somebody that I don't think can impact the team quite as much as the other six we've mentioned, but at certain points can definitely rival for it and take it over for sure. Definitely, yeah. So uh, who was who was there in your honorable mention? Did you have any other guys other than Will? Aside from Will, I I didn't feel right putting Johnny Davis there. I like Johnny Davis. He was someone that when I before I saw him in summer league, I definitely was like, oh wow, put him in right now. Like, you know, this guy could be a starter. Um yeah. I was even thinking he played point guard along Bill, which was already off because like his playmaking, mind you, some of it was just due to teammates at Wisconsin. So the numbers, the you know, assist ratio, all that kind of deceiving. But also his playmaking wasn't super great just on a scouting perspective. So then I thought, okay, maybe you could shift this before the, you know, maybe you could shift Beal to the point and kind of have some different lineups there. Um, all that was a prior <laughs> thought process. And then watching the summer league, maybe took maybe it, it made me take a step back. And just mm-hmm. go, okay, you might have some rookie bumps. And who knows? I mean, like we already talked about, Summer League is not the best barometer for how a player is going to perform in their rookie season, um, right. although it does help when they are, you know, right out the gate productive. But he's someone that I look at because he has the ability to create his own offense, you know. And you have, what well, I would say off the top of my head, four players on Washington that could do that right now. And that would be, of course, Beal, Barton, Porzingis, and Kuzma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like – Davis has another option, somebody who you can bring out there for more offensive focused lineups. And um, right now I don't see him, you know, really making that much of a factor to start, not because of his own status, but just because since following that draft selection, the Wizards have obtained more players that quite frankly should start over him. So uh, he would be my honorable mention. Let's say, unfortunately, knock on everything, an injury comes out or something and he has to step up. Um, He already has that from scratch uh, shot creation ability in the mid range. Like you said, he got that dog. He's going to defend. I think he can bring something to the table without taking too much off of it in the wake of an injury to any of Washington's main perimeter players. Right. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good one. I'm going to go with Big Gaff. You know, I think Gafford, if, if he could solid. stay in shape, stay out of foul trouble, catch the ball, not bring the ball down, finish around. Him. He just, he's in it's a lot, but he needs a point guard that can really set him up. That's what he needs really bad uh, to throw him lobs. But quickly, we'll end on the jerseys. Um, just give me one moment that you really liked from that Wizards era, uh, and what's your thoughts about the uh, the throwback jerseys that they bring it back? I think it was that 2006 playoff series um, against LeBron and the Cavs, oh, where they man. had the last stand. I think the Wizards probably got swept or something, and they had Soldier Boy, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and they were coming out. I mean, Karan Butler had a big game, and uh, you could. I mean, this is old. I mean, I was. I remember watching this. I was like nine or ten, but like watching replays right. of it. And the arena was rocking. They were hitting the soldier, which was hilarious yes, to like look at now. But like <laughs> that was dope. You know what I mean? Like this is a team that like yeah, 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 we're on the level. You had some some rivalries up there, but 
but yeah. you had that one game, that one moment where it was like, yeah, we in here. Like, what's good? Yeah. And I love games like that where, you know, and the atmosphere. And also, come on, Shabbat Soldier Boy. Like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, crank that. That was that was fun times. It was fun times. Even Jay-Z, he made a diss song to Deshaun Stevens. He was like, what's the king to a pawn? So that's how you know we were rent-free in the LeBron's head. Rent-free rent Rent-free. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that was a fun. It was a fun series, man. Uh, I, I hate that LeBron whispered in, whispered in Gilbert's ear and Gilbert missed the free throw. Um, sad yeah. times, but a lot of fun, you know, going back and forth with, with LeBron in those series for sure. Um, yeah, like it's, uh, when when Gilbert hit the game winner against the Bulls, um, I love when Hibachi Gilbert hit the turnaround uh, game winning walk off three against the Utah Jazz. I was, yeah, we're probably the same age, so I was, you know, in yeah. probably middle school at the same time. Mm-hmm. I just remember the Gil Zero shoes. Like, a lot of people were wearing those shoes. They were, you know, they had the same color color waves. Um, but I'll, I'll probably break down in another episode, like, you know, all the moments, like Michael, even Michael Jordan, um, yeah. you know, Gilbert yeah. Arenas, John Wall doing the ducky and whatnot. So mm-hmm. even the bad ones where Michael Ruffin threw the ball in the air and, you know, the yeah, Javel McGee and whatnot. But yeah, to keep it on the on the bright side, yeah, I loved Gilbert those years. Him, Karan, and Anton. Those those teams were that team was very fun to watch. I, Larry Hughes, Brennan Haywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed that team. It was, it was a lot. Deshaun Stevenson, you know, he yes. played with a lot of heart and a lot of grit. He was he was a microwave scorer. So that team was very fun, man. I enjoyed those years. I really wish I was a little bit older, so you know, I could just because I. I, I love watching basketball, but you know, just you know, I I would have loved to enjoy it being you know, older, just grasping yes. all of the game, you know. So I'm with you, but yeah, absolutely, definitely. So uh, yeah, the jerseys are fine. I, I don't mind them. You know, they're they're not the sexiest jerseys, but they're. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's some good memories attached to it, so I'm with you on that right. for sure. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, Corbin, I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, and uh, if there's anything you have to plug. Hey, I appreciate it as always. Ed. This is fun. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Simple C O R B A N N B A. I know the Sun shirt was kind of deceiving. I literally have like 18 million team shirts. I just throw on one. Um, but yeah, I actually um, uh, do a podcast for the Phoenix Mercury. So it's uh, the PHNX Mercury podcast. Definitely make sure to check that out. Uh, it's funny, we're recording this now. I literally just got off a live doing that one. So um, trying to stay in the playoff chase. We'll see how that goes. It's been a long season for Phoenix Mercury. As always, you know, free Britney Grinder. But um, aside from that, yeah, any any stuff coming up the pipeline will be there. Uh, hopefully, more podcasts in the future. Definitely collaborating with you, man. And again, thank you. Definitely, definitely. Yes, yeah, so thank you guys for making lots of wizards your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just thirty minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just thirty minutes. Hail to the Wizards! Peace. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.